Hello and welcome to Mystery Simon Theater 3000. I'm Simon, and on this show, I'm going to be walking you through my VHS collection of almost 3,000 titles. In each episode, I'll be talking about three tapes that I watched. The first one is chosen via random number generator. The second one is chosen by my co-host. Hello. And the third one is typically chosen by a guest. And this is our Christmas episode. We don't have a guest, so Johnny let me pick one of the tapes. Yeah, I figured it was, uh, it's Christmas. It should be a gift. <laughs> well, you asked me what my favorite Christmas movie was, or what movie, what Christmas movie I would choose to watch. Yeah. And I do not like the holidays. I do not like holiday movies. So the options were limited and pretty much just reduced to movies that take place at Christmas, chaotic Christmas in the moral matrix. Okay. <laughs> in this episode, we're going to be talking about the 1984's Christmas Carol starring George C. Scott, Johnny's pick, which is Jingle All the Way, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, and my pick, the This Takes Place at Christmas movie, uh, Rennie Harlan's The Long Kiss Goodnight, which is, I, I would much rather think of it as a Shane Black movie because he wrote it. And I'm pretty sure all of his movies take place at Christmas. So to me, it's a Shane Black film. I think initially I wasn't, you know, too excited about the 1984's George C. Scott. Like, I love George C. Scott. That's why we watched it. Yeah. Tell us about, like, how this one even came up as the random tape. Yeah, great question. So uh, we have a spreadsheet that will automatically give me however many titles I need to draw at the top of the month. Um, when I drew four random titles for the month of December, Christmas Carol ended up being one of them. The only problem was that Christmas Carol— We have a lot of them is in the spreadsheet only once, even though we have several different versions of it. So this was a little bit of a random pick. The title was random, but the version uh, is something that I had a little bit of say in. And I knew that, uh, at first I thought there was a Jimmy Stewart version, but then I remembered that's a, it's a wonderful life. Um, yeah, different and, movie. And so that's a different, <laughs> different movie. Um, so, okay, it wasn't going to be Jimmy Stewart. And then I saw that George C. Scott was in this version of A Christmas Carol and just figured, well, I mean, we, we love him in Exorcist 3. And um, in The Changeling. And in The Changeling. Which this reminded me like of The Changeling quite a bit. Yeah, it was, it was, it was phenomenal. This is a horror I really movie. liked it. I think it is one of the best kids' horror movies of all time, mm -hmm. right up there with The Gate. Yeah, if this is like this is a story that's supposed to be read by children and then watched by children. This is absolutely for children, and it is it is scary. This absolutely watches like a horror movie. I loved it so much. Christmas produced something great. Anyways, uh, we can just dive right into the logline and box art uh, and the box art too. Uh, box art doesn't really give me much to work with. Uh, I am not sure that it was clear on the box, but when we were looking up information on this, uh, this is a TV movie. Mm -hmm. And it it doesn't seem like it, uh, the, the production quality of the film itself, but uh, certainly the box art doesn't really lead you to believe that this was something that was made for TV. Um, I think if that was 
anywhere on the box art, that would probably not be good for the film. It would definitely, I would have been biased if sure. I knew this was something, uh, you know, it made for another made for TV movie. Yeah. We've been getting a lot of those. And what to say about it other than it's fine. You got your main character. You got, you got Georgie here. You got Scotty here. With the ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, I, having watched Scrooged many, many times, I knew that death doesn't really have uh, a portrayal <laughs> other than uh, like a large puppet. It's fine. It's nice. I like the little illustration. It's as like stylistically a little confounding, but it's not bad. It's red. It's gold. It says Christmas. Christmas. Red and white. Red and gold. Oh, this is hard to read, though. Some of this text is in, is printed in gold. Oof. You ever made, like, people who make these decisions, I don't think, see the output of their decisions. George C. Scott stars in this critically acclaimed version of Charles Dickens' holiday classic in which one man discovers the true meaning of Christmas. Ugh. I relate to this character a lot. Good. That means you love Christmas by the end of it. I didn't say I was Scrooge. I just said I related to him. You didn't say what part? <laughs> the we'll get to my notes. I I tell you, like I explicitly wrote down when I related to him the most. Excuse you. Christmas elicits nothing more than bar humbug, quiet from Ebenezer Scrooge, Scott. A miser whose sole pursuit of financial success has left him a bitter and lonely old man. But a Christmas Eve visit from the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future ultimately teaches him to open his heart to the spirit of Christmas and to the joys of friends and family. Filmed entirely on location in the historic English town of Shrewsbury. That's <laughs> so English. This lavish production vividly brings to life one of the world's best-loved Christmas stories. This might be a little niche, but just uh, to take the discussion of this box art a little further, this logline has terrible kerning. I'm going to move on. No, that does not need an explanation. If you've studied typography or even just a little bit of graphic design, you know how um, awful it is to have seen it and not be able to unsee it. All right. So you love this. You you love this movie. I love this movie. George C. Scott. Uh, again, thank you. This was like merciful that you that you gave me the George C. Scott version. No, I. I well, I wonder how scary some of the uh, other versions might have been. This had a really great effects team, really great makeup and uh, costume team. True. So the only versions that I've really ever watched in their entirety is. The Muppet Christmas Carol okay. and the Bill Murray Scrooged. Okay. So this was the first one that I had seen, uh, sort of like faithfully told, played by humans. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> one of the weirdest things about this collection is that week to week, we seem to encounter some way that movies from prior weeks will tie into movies that we're watching in the current week. A lot of echoing. A lot of echoing. And uh, in this movie, we welcome back... Joanna Wally Kilmer. Joanna Wally Kilmer. 
um, or Joanna Wally now, I guess, yeah. mostly. Oh, well, back um, then, at, at the time that this was made, it was just Joanna Wally. Just Joanna Wally. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, for those who may be joining us for the first time in this episode, uh, go see our Scarlet episode uh, where we talk a little bit more about her and her huge freaking mouth uh, as that character. She actually plays a much more um, charitable character in this movie. Well, it's just a different character, but it's still her in a period piece movie. And the first time we see her is like sort of from behind, but you know she's dressed in this really lavish dress with this big hat and just like a head of really dramatic ringlets. And as a joke, I was just like, "Oh, Scarlet again!" And motherfucker, it was it was Scarlet. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah, it was it was it was strange hearing her doing her. It, was, it probably isn't her normal English accent, but it was strange hearing her do, I guess, like a native accent to her. <laughs> sure. Um, and not this, uh, you know, the the big caricature of a southern accent she was doing for six hours in Scarlet. Yeah, yeah. Um, but other things that I liked about this movie is I I liked how scary it was. I liked how dramatic all of the in-camera effects were. There was so much unnatural lighting that really mirrors the like stage lighting. And it it was just so effective. I I loved the way this movie were uh, looked. The only downside is that this kind of sets the bar really high for any other Christmas carols that we have to watch. Yeah. This won't be the last one. So uh It'll be really interesting to see how the others stack up. Yeah. Uh, last thing that I'll say about this movie was that uh, building off of it was really like it had a really great like a horror atmosphere was the music did a lot of the the heavy lifting there. Like in addition to the lighting, uh, the music reminded me of The Shining. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just a lot of really great orchestral work there. Yeah. Cool. Well, if you had one word to describe this, what would it be? Mm. Atmosphere. Yeah. At a really, at really great atmosphere. Again, like uh, you know, it's 1984. They're doing all of their uh, like practical effects, in-camera effects, and I think the the use of the stage lighting uh, really elevated it to th- that kind of like like ethereal, the spookiness. Um, it was great. Yeah. Would you rewind it? Yeah, yeah, rewind. Great, yeah, awesome. Next is 1996's Jingle All the Way, chosen by producer Johnny. Uh, something that I learned from this watch is you maybe watched this one time. Yeah. Before this? I watched it one time when it came out. I don't know how many times I've seen this. This was a big, big rewatch movie in my house. Um... I don't know that we had this movie. We, we we could have had this movie, but this was probably something that was like, if it was on TV, we'd watch it. And we watched it a lot. Yeah, I I can't say that I ever encountered it beyond going to see it in the theaters the year it came out. You know, I think my life's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I knew there were some great bits to look forward to in this movie. Um, this is a very expensive movie. It's a really expensive movie. It's got like two production teams on it, mm-hmm. um, which is just wild. 
Uh, and this has sort of an infamous reputation as being a really bad movie that makes no sense. But rewatching it this time, I went into, or at least like halfway through, I just like changed how I was watching it and pretended that it was just a live action cartoon. And then everything just kind of like made sense. Like this is a kid's movie. I think a lot of people, when they look back on this or if they rewatch it, and they want it to make sense, you know, it's not going to because it's a kid's movie. It only needs to be fun and make sense enough for a child. Uh, and I think we forget that a lot, um, especially with movies like either made in the 80s or especially like the, the late 90s and the aughts. I give this this movie a little bit more wiggle room because I just think that like I'm not I'm not really the the audience for it anymore. So I just have to watch watch it like a child would, or like I'm watching an episode of like Futurama. The box art is pretty decent. Yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jake Lloyd, uh, pre Phantom Menace, with a little a little Turbo Man doll, and everything you need to know about just like the tone of this movie is kind of is here. It's it's simple, but I think it's effective. Yeah, it is. Turbo packed with lots of laughs for the entire family. You'll love this film, says Elaine Blythe at the Film Advisory Board. All right. Golly. Take what you can get. This is who you go to when nobody's reviewed your movie well. I think maybe, well, someone at the Kids Network said it was nonstop fun, and that's exactly who this, this film is person? for. No, is this who this is for? Maybe it was a kid. <laughs> you know, anyways. Arnold Schwarzenegger stars in this hilarious holiday comedy as a father desperate to buy that must-have Christmas toy during a frantic last-minute shopping spree on Christmas Eve. Howard Langston. I, 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 I'm sure it's out there somewhere, but they're, I just want to see a list of all of the character names that Arnold Schwarzenegger has played. They're all very John Doe. Timothy Heston kind of names. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I, I don't remember how long it was into the movie, but his wife got mad at him and just yelled like Howard, and I was like, Howard. Yeah, yeah. Mm-mm. Howard Langston Schwarzenegger has promised his young son a Turbo Man action figure for Christmas, unaware it's the season's hottest selling toy, and also begins. A frenzied quest that pits Howard against a stressed-out mailman, Simbad, a sleazy Santa impersonator, Jim Belushi, and every other harried parent in town in, quote, the best holiday family film in years, said Don Stotter at Entertainment Timeout. This movie's only 85 minutes. Wow. It felt longer. It felt longer. <laughs> Felt longer. Well, it's got that stinger scene that I had never, I, I, I truly don't think I had ever watched it before. But you, we, we did not rewind. We did not rewind. <laughs> spoiler. But and so, well, you grabbed the tape and there was just a little, like, ha, like the credits had already started rolling by the time we ejected and there was a lot of tape left. Yeah. Like a pretty significant amount of tape About for half an inch of tape. Credits. And so that piqued your curiosity and you're like, there must be something at the end of this tape. 
I just based on how fucking huge this movie was and like that it has like really really big stunts like at least two yeah. really really big stunts so i'm just like it could just be credits like it could be like one of those like a pixar credit and it, and it, was. it was i mean there was an entire second production team which isn't like unheard of for most blockbusters but like this is a movie that you wouldn't just necessarily think like oh it's got a second production team uh, yeah well there was there was a stinger scene and it was short though like it was kind of a little little column a little column b it was mostly credits but a stinger i was it, it blew my mind well in trying to find ways that this movie kind of echoed previous uh previous weeks is last week we were really excited to see philip seymour hoffman and you know r.i.p.d gone too soon and then in this movie, we have another one of my favorite Phils, um, Phil Hartman. Just, oh man, that's that one is somehow more tragic. So R.I.P.D. to Phil. But then Jingle All the Way has a third of my favorite Phils. Uh, Phil Morris plays. Phil Morris. Uh, like he ha- yeah, he has the energy of a newscaster. And he's announcing like the the finale parade, and he's just he's just so wonderful. I love him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, big Jackie Childs fans here. So, <laughs> and uh, Doctor Cowboy. Uh, there are two really small parts played by a couple of character actors, and my note just says like I've been haunted by their hair since I was a small child. There was the DJ who had that ponytail. Oh, okay, yeah. That really weird kind of gross ponytail with the mustache. Sure, yeah. And then we had the the PA at the at the finale who's suiting up Arnold Schwarzenegger for this big stunt. Um, he also has glasses, but he has a short center part bob, and that's also been haunting me since since I was a child. Okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Although uh, I, I still do not like the DJ's ponytail. The the short bob, the dude with the glasses with the short bob, I like it though. It's a good kind of haunting. Okay. Maybe lingers. Okay. That's been that. One made an impression, one haunts you. <laughs> I think we can get into our broader feelings about this movie. I set it up a little bit. I think this movie can be enjoyed by adults it it is enjoyed by kids i think kids are probably going to watch this and just have fun the whole time adults not so much i think we're mostly just going to be confused unless we just let some shit go and i'll use the same example from before like if this was an episode of futurama you know fry another philip if fry was somehow turbo man and you put on this jetpack at a parade i'm not gonna really question like why would you have a real jetpack in a parade like i'm also not gonna question why there isn't you know three four five event organizers stopping this fucking show when they go off script even a little bit mm-hmm. or when like a kid climbs to the the top of a fucking building and is hanging six stories in the air yeah yeah, I mean, surely there are uh, event personnel there, uh, firefighters, uh, all of those essential services have to be there mm-hmm. ready and waiting. 
the fact that a fire truck wasn't their stat to like get a ladder up to get this kid down is definitely hard to believe. But a child watching this movie isn't going to be asking any of those questions. That like the ch the children watching this movie are going to be excited and thrilled and these kids like the kids watching it need just as much buy-in that they're watching a dad somehow turn into a superhero like that's the movie we're watching and, and as adults it like no that's not <laughs> that's not how we experience life but that's the kind of fantasy that kids want out of their movies and i think that jingle all the way is a great Christmas action comedy for a child. It is it is great. The dissonance is we're watching some of our favorite actors. You know, what was it uh Rita Wilson is also in this and yeah, you know, Sinbad. Um we're watching all of these like great actors that we love do all of these cartoonish things. So um just you just need to let that shit go cuz this is a kids movie. And it's fine. It's great. In fact, it's great for kids. This tape had trailers, a few of them. Uh, we started with the animated, I think it was 1997's animated Anastasia. Uh, another movie that I watched quite a bit when I was young. I have not seen it in a very, very long time. And I, I, I spent a good number of years as a kid thinking that it was a Disney movie, but it's not. And it is voice acted by some pretty big name celebrities who are, to the best as I can tell, not really like attached to this film. Not really. Is it stars uh, Meg Ryan as the voice of Anastasia. And we got Shaboy. John Cusack. Uh, the voice of Dimitri, which is her, her love interest. Um, Rasputin was someone exciting to Did me. Did you say Christopher yes. Lloyd? Yes. Rasputin was played by Christopher Lloyd. And then we also have uh, Hank Azaria, who plays <laughs> a, like a little pet henchman bat creature, a bat out of hell. That's absolutely a Hank Azaria role yeah. if there ever was one. Uh, I'd be curious to rewatch that one. Because I, I do remember it fondly. I don't think, although I don't have high like hopes for it, because it was you know, an animated movie made in the late 90s. Uh, the next one is a, the sequel to Ferngully. Was there like a, a subtitle to that? I don't, I didn't write it down. I, I just, I thought it was Ferngully. And then you pointed out like, no, that's someone doing an impression of Robin Williams's character. Yes. Yeah. Batty uh, is not voiced by Robin Williams in mm -hmm. the sequel. R.I.P.D. Which, yeah, uh, rest in peace. But also like hard to... Hard to really sell Batty as a character if it isn't being played by mm -hmm. Robin Williams. Yeah, this it, it looked okay. I I would not at all be excited to watch it though. Yeah, yeah. Animated sequels, I think, before the Pixar era. Ugh. No, thank you. And then we wrap up the trailers with a truly strange. It is a Christmas Carol, a, a version of a Christmas Carol, starring Tim Curry. Whoopi Goldberg, a bunch of other people. And this trailer had absolutely no footage. I'm wondering if this is one of those instances where we did like a maybe like a live stage production. You know, Tim Curry's done a bunch of live TV uh, like 
broadcast plays mm. and like having him and Whoopi Goldberg in it seems kind of like a gimmick. Yeah. Yeah. And then the the footage that we did get what like looked like some of the worst animated stock. Like, like I know it said, you know, all the actors' names, it said the name of the story it's going to tell, but it could have easily just have said like Black Friday sales, everything's on clearance, <laughs> come down today. It, yeah. it looked it looked pretty bad. It was all mostly animated titles. Mm-hmm. and um, It was all animated titles with some snow and then ornaments like drifting through the screens. Yeah. That's... Yeah. I don't think this is worth rewinding, not unless you want to watch it with a child, because again, I do think a child is going to find this exciting and find this fun, find it funny. Um, close out my final thoughts is uh, fucking Reindeer Puppet stole the show. Absolutely. Reindeer Puppet's great. It's hilarious. Favorite character. Yeah. I know you had forgotten a lot of this movie, but I'm just like, wait for it. This reindeer gets fucking better. Yeah. The reindeer's <laughs> great. And also, I mean, I, I, I don't want to be a total Scrooge about this movie. Like, uh, the, the scene with, uh, is, is that Mall of America that that's filmed in the, with the balls? Uh, oh yeah. The you, lottery balls. We can touch the, touch on the, the stunts. Like we, we sort of covered the, the finale at the parade, but uh-huh. the one that the stunt at Mall of America is, is huge. And it takes place over, you know, like probably several different sections of Mall of America. Yeah. Like, and it looks great. It's, I mean, it was really impressive actually to pull something yeah. like that off. Like what, well, yeah, I guess it's goofy. Like, sure. Like, that bouncy ball is probably not going to do that in real life. Who cares? It is still like seeing everything. I, I'd hop, say, like that's a lot of coordination. Yeah. I mean, it's downright. It's a cool scene. Mm-hmm. It is a cool scene, cool cinematography, a lot of really great color. Uh, I mean, the, the colorist on this like phenomenal because the colors in this movie look yeah, great. Yeah, this doesn't like this. Like uh, I said, it's a big budget movie. It doesn't look like puke. There's a lot of big names attached to it. Everything's. Not just well lit, but appropriately lit. So, mm. you know, it's not not a terror. It's not not okay. Uh huh. <laughs> That's where this movie is. <laughs> Neither here nor here. Uh-huh. Right about here. <laughs> What's your one word description for this movie? It's playful. Playful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, are we rewinding it? Well, no. <laughs> we didn't rewind it. No. Our final film is The Long Kiss Goodnight, starring Gina Davis and Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, so you had asked me if I could watch any Christmas movie. It'd be this one. Sort of in the, the same, same vein as the people who like to watch Die Hard on Christmas. Uh, I like to watch this one. Uh, it's set at Christmas. I'd argue there's even more Christmas in it than Die Hard. And it's just so fun. I love this movie. Lives up to its name, too. The Long Kiss Goodnight. It, is not, it does not feel that long. No, it doesn't feel that long. But when I was ripping this tape, uh, I left, had some coffee with a friend, walked around, came back. This tape was still going. Um, it's so. it's a it's a flat two hours. Yeah, we've had worse. You can do a lot of stuff in two I'm hours. Saying, I'm not saying uh, it's bad. 
Just saying. It's the long kiss goodnight. It ain't the medium kiss goodnight. It ain't the 90 minute kiss goodnight. But you had seen this before once, probably last year. When was the first time you watched this? Yeah, probably a year, two years ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think this is a great box art of uh, your action movie. You have your, your two stars in some action poses with a couple of firearms. Uh, and then you just have like a bunch of like snowy henchmen at the bottom. Even on the side, like when I have this uh, on the shelf at home, you got like, uh, you know, I don't always enjoy staring down the barrel of a gun in a photograph, but I think this like captures the the tone of most of the movie pretty well. There is a quote on the cover of this box, but the uh, attribution is on the back with an asterisk. So, so Jeannie Wolf of Jeannie Wolf's Hollywood says the most spectacular action scenes you've ever seen yeah i mean this they got some great action scenes so academy award winner 1989's best supporting actress gina davis for thelma and louise and league of their own and samuel l jackson pulp fiction jurassic park star in this explosive action-packed thriller from director rennie harlan cliffhanger and die hard 2 Die harder. After eight years of amnesia, school teacher Samantha Kane, Davis, learns she was once a lethal assassin for the CIA. And now, her former employers want her dead. Pursued by a high-tech army of corrupt government renegades, Samantha teams up with a wise-cracking detective, Jackson, who helps her uncover her past before it buries them both. Featuring blistering special effects and eye-popping stunts, The Long Kiss Goodnight is one fun, mind-blowing thrill ride. Mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. Nice. It is super sexy and action-charged, says Peter Travers of Rolling Stones. Nothing to gawk at. Jim Ferguson from Preview Channel says, Action, action, and more action. What a ride. (laughs) <laughs> oh this actually this had a website longkiss.com well the domain is for sale so <laughs> any of you enterprising internet minions out there how much though $12.99 that is not $12.99 that is $1,000 oh, $1,299 what $1,200 $1,200 yeah $12.99 <laughs> Oh wow! So where to begin about what I like about this movie? I I do like that it's a it's an action movie. I think for all that's happening with the plot, like we do have like this woman who's had amnesia for eight years, and I found it. I've always found it a very simple plot to follow, given everything that's going on, given how many characters. Or in this movie. And thinking about it this week, what I love about it is also how, like how dramatic the, the plot is. The amnesia. The this woman hit like uh she 
she loses her memory because she got like she got shot in the head and then washed up on a shore. Eight years later, she gets hit in the head again in in a car accident, and then all of her like not just her memories but her muscle memories and um, little bits of who she was start start coming back, and those part like when when. Th- the CIA agent is like starting to come back. It gets very Hellraiser for a bit. Like there's some really gory scenes with just lots of like like dream sequences with just like lots of blood and and fog and smoke and lightning. Mm. Um, mm. It, the the gore was interesting because it was mostly just like a, around Gina Davis. She was covered in blood for a lot of this movie. Mm. Um. Yeah, I just love how fun and, like, it, this is fun. Like, her and Samuel L. Jackson have really great chemistry. Every buddy cop detective couple that Shane Black writes have amazing chemistry, and they pull it off really well. They're they're really fun to watch. And I think what makes it just so, like, fantastical is, you know, not, not too dissimilar from, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger in Jingle All the Way, where, you know, this ordinary guy literally becomes a superhero uh you have this quaint middle america like mom like school teacher with a kid who can throw knives put a gun together and she like she she never walks out of she never walks into a situation as an assassin thinking that she's gonna die and she kind of doesn't she's a little bit of uh like she's very very much an invincible character and that and that is fun to to imagine yourself is or to imagine just like the school teacher turning into this invincible assassin yeah that was really it's just so fun the premise is so fun yeah she's sort of like mr magoo in her way through through some of these situations and just like uh, an event will trigger some uh, reflex that recalls mm-hmm. a deep-seated trained skill um, until the point where basically her school teacher personality is totally eclipsed. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, she's like trying to hit on Samuel Jackson. He's like, what the heck? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, I ain't going to let you kill that school teacher. Yeah. Um, but even that was uh, like the way the assassin comes in throughout this movie, but then towards the end, like the school teacher personality um, comes back, and like it's it, it's not really part of the movie or the plot. It's more of just like a subconscious thing that happens with the character. But uh, like you do see each personality just kind of like take over until they're some kind of mixture of the two. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause assassin doesn't care about the kid that she had, but like the school teacher, um, probably like, I, I don't think that we could have had, cause this movie has a happy ending. I don't think we could have gotten there with just the assassin personality. Oh no, definitely not. No, you gotta, you gotta feel something when, when, mom's bleeding out of her skull and getting the pep talk from life is pain from a kid who says life is pain 
Oh, the reversal of character infringement is what I called it. What does that mean? Uh, the part of the conversation where it was just like the the assassin doesn't completely eclipse the school teacher. Like the oh. school teacher um, ends up coming back, and you see, uh, you know, Samantha Charlie care enough about her daughter to like risk her life and save her uh-huh, uh-huh. multiple times and even die for her but there was a point in the story which is the where she's coming on to samuel L. jackson where like she could have just like up and left mm-hmm. once she figured out who was working for who and i think that's like the when he rejects her advances that's when samantha the school teacher came back and was started making some of those choices hmm. okay yeah get behind that Another movie with like several amazing stunts. And like, I, I know people like to give Rennie Harlan a hard time for how over the top his movies are, but everything about this is just already so over the top. Nothing about it, or very few parts <laughs> of this movie, like, feel like they go too far. One of my favorite action scenes is, and there's a picture of it on the back of the box where. They're on the second or third story of a building that's next to a lake. And someone throws a grenade at them. So, of course, you know, uh, Charlie Assassin's instincts take over. And she grabs Samuel L. Jackson. It's hard because her character's named Sam, too. So she grabs Samuel L. Jackson and they just run for the window. Go through the window. and And the time it takes them to fall to you know, an iced over lake. She just takes the machine gun and starts blowing holes in it and they just break right through into the water. It's it's incredible. And it's ridiculous almost. But goddamn, if it is cool. It is just so cool. Some quick thinking. Yeah, quick this movie actually, that's my one word. That's my one phrase is like quick thinking because- You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, that probably won't be, but that does describe a lot of um, what's happening, uh, like as her memories come back. Is like, like it's not even maybe it's not so much just quick thinking. It's just like there's no thinking. It's all just like just like instinct. And sometimes she doesn't know that it's happening while it's happening. So the first time we hear the phrase like "life is pain," uh, she says that her daughter fell and broke her wrist. And she's like, get up, you baby. Life is pain. <laughs> and we sort of just like cut to a few hours later and she's crying because she doesn't remember anything that she said to her daughter or how mean she was to her daughter. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a soap opera. Some of the characters are even like cartoonishly villain. Um, everything is just so heightened here. Like, I don't think this movie is trying to be grounded and it's great the only times i really rolled my eyes at this movie was the the stunt where i guess samuel jackson gets blown out of another building but this time he's he was like strapped to a chair when it happens and he also goes through a neon sign and into a tree um and then he drives a car later uh that and you know these these kinds of movies and um it happens a lot in these kinds of like big like copaganda shows with like big SWAT teams, and you're just wondering, like, how did they find these many? Like, where do they get all these many people? Um, like, where do you find all of these henchmen? Like, I get that you probably have scores, if not hundreds and hundreds, of 
like law enforcement or like military personnel at your disposal, but henchmen, like, like how do you find that many henchmen? Well, so it is at the end of the day, an inside job. CIA. CIA. So a lot of, a lot of those people are probably (laughs) ex-CIA. Fair. Yeah. What a gig. That's all I got. Okay, cool. So, um, unfortunately there were no trailers on this. I remembered this having trailers. I don't, I don't know. Like it's mostly because of what kind of a movie this is. I expected there to be trailers and there wasn't. Yeah. Did you give a one word description? Or are you gonna are you gonna stick with quick thinking? I'd, I would like to give it something else because I because that's just mostly uh, the character. Yeah, I'm just gonna do two words, and it's just like one of the first things that comes to mind to help like really distill what I like about it. It's a great script. And would you rewind? I did rewind. I don't think I watch this every year around the around the holidays, but. Uh, if I feel like I want to watch a holiday movie, it'll probably be this. Maybe actually it'll be this George C. Scott one. Again, so good. Thoroughly. In, like I actually would probably watch this one out of season just because the effects are so satisfying. Hey there, folks. I'm sure you've noticed that this episode ended a little differently than others have in the past, and that's because I caught COVID, and it's put a damper on the live stream that we wanted to announce for the end of the year. Initially, we had planned to release this episode much earlier in anticipation of a live stream. Alas, COVID sort of rained on our parade. So right now, we're isolating until we know everyone's in the clear. And in the meantime, we're watching plenty of movies and even some on DVD. We don't mention it a lot, but we do have a growing DVD collection and I've been indulging in all of the special features. So we'll try to make that up with uh, some other episode or come up with something to make up for the lost episode. But in the meantime, we just really want to thank y'all so much for watching the episodes that we've released so far. It really means a lot to us and we couldn't be more grateful. We look forward to coming back next year, and if you want more behind-the-scenes content or trailers from the VHS we're watching, then go subscribe to our Substack. That is weirdwonderfulstuff.com. If you haven't already, do so. You'll really enjoy it. There's a lot of cool stuff that we pull up in researching these episodes that we share through that newsletter. So, It's a great resource for any movie buff. If you're not already following us on Instagram, that's also another cool place to find some behind the scenes stuff. And um, if you've been watching these episodes and you've enjoyed them, leave us a like and uh, share this with your friends. Uh, If you feel like other people would enjoy it, uh, it goes a long way and it really means a lot to us. So we can't wait to come back in full force and good health and um, hope you all have a Great New Year's Eve. Stay safe and we'll see you on the other side. Have a good one.